Over 20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Welcome to the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Today, my guest is Stacy Forchetti. Stacy Forchetti is a family law attorney, former prosecutor, and serves on a number of organizations within her community. She has mentored a high school mock trial team for several years and is an active member of the Vidoc Society, a private nonprofit organization consisting of current and former law enforcement scientists, and medical professionals dedicated to solving cold case homicides around the country. Stacy is committed to giving a voice to the voiceless. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Candy. That was a really stellar introduction. I, I feel unworthy of those words, but that's that's my life, I guess. That's what lands me here. Really? You're so much more than this. <laughs> this is the condensed version. I could have said a lot more. Um, so I would love to start with sharing with those listening how you decided or when you decided that you wanted to become an attorney. Unlike many people, I knew from a very early age what I wanted to do. I remember announcing to my parents at the dinner table when I was seven, not just that I wanted to be an attorney, but that I wanted to be a prosecutor because I was, I was an avid reader from a very young age, and, but also an extraordinarily shy child. But the idea that you could stand up in court and you say these words and these words make things happen, just it seemed like magic to me. And and that idea enchanted me. So I I did it. You know, I lived my dream. I was a prosecutor for 12 years in the city of Philadelphia. Helped a lot of people. Oh, I can imagine. So. Growing up, you know, when you're in school, were you always drawn to like you, you're a coach mentor for a high school mock trial team. So were you, is that how you started? You were on a mock trial team in school? No, I mean, when I was in high school, mock trial did not exist, mm -hmm. at least not, not in my, and I went to a large uh, high school in Bucks County a large public high school that was well-renowned. Um, and we had, and I was in the gifted program, but we didn't have anything like mock trial. We did have debate team, mm -hmm. but I didn't like that because, because it was so one-sided and, and it didn't contain like the nuance of performance. 
to me. Like I, I didn't, maybe the coach wasn't that great, but I didn't, I didn't really enjoy debate team, but I was involved in a whole host of activities. I always have been very involved in the community and it's, it's just my desire to want to connect to people. Mm -hmm. I think that also drove me into the law because you're always, every day is dynamic. You're always learning. You're always growing. You know, I'm from a large family, so no day is boring. Mm-hmm. You know, like no day is like the day before and tomorrow is going to be another roller coaster ride. Like that's that's the world I grew up in. And so the world of litigation makes me particularly well suited for that. So you so you were a prosecutor and now you're doing family law. And so there must be a huge difference in the uh, way you approach cases? I mean, not as big as a difference as you would think, because as a prosecutor, you represent the Commonwealth, right? But in family law, you do represent one client. But in the world of family law, you're also, I I think the best family lawyers are looking for some kind of unity and some kind of harmony as the end result. Mm -hmm. But because in a family law case, you know, there's a lot of pain and there's a, a lot of negative emotion. So to say that you won, like if you win a particular motion or a particular brief, well, what's the emotional impact of that motion? You know, so I think the better family law attorneys, like we try and think about the overall impact and like where you're going, what's your end game? You know, mm-hmm. your end game is to help your client get on the other side, like a happier, healthier you know, peaceful person, you know, who is, who has created this world that better serves them than the world they had before. So, so it's, to me, it's not as different as you would think. I mean, yes, there are different laws. There are different standards, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt versus preponderance of the evidence, but it's the end result is to help people. Mm-hmm. Well, which brings me to something you and I talked about previously, because as somebody's attorney, you're giving them advice and you want them to take your advice because you're looking out for their best interest. But that's not the case sometimes where the person that you're representing might have the blinders on or I should say, you know, covering their ears because they they don't want to listen. They don't, I don't know, is it trust or is it they're just feeling like, you know, there's a different answer that they're seeking? I mean, I don't, that's why I'm asking you this. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes people not want to take advice and how do we get people to understand that the advice given to them is in their best interest? Candy, as you know, when we were talking about this before, I've spent a lot of time like thinking about this and reading about this. And I don't know if there's any one answer, but it just seems to be the recurring theme is that people have these emotional roadblocks that prevent them from getting to like that better self. You know, that that it might force them to accept unpleasant truths about themselves, you know, 
in every broken relationship that there are two contributors, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, either, even if the other person is committing wrongdoing, you might be the person accepting that wrongdoing for a period of time and therefore creating a negative pattern. So, so sometimes, you know, that's why the advice of if someone's treating you poorly, just leave them. It isn't so simple. You know, that it's, while it's simple, it's not easy, I, right. I guess, is the better way to put it. Right. Um, because, because that advice forces that person to look inward rather than outward. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not always easy for people to do. Oh, I'm, I just even had like a couple scenarios going through my own <laughs> mind, you know, of times where I myself didn't want to listen or take the advice or didn't want to look inside myself and see that maybe I contributed to the way things were, you know? Sure. I think we, we all do that, but we don't think about it, you know, until somebody points it out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, in my own personal life, you know, you realize, like I've realized when I look back, how I contributed, you know, to a negative situation or conversation and, and it's only, I think with, with cooling off and maybe taking a step back that you're able to see that. And so helping clients try and take, you know, gain some emotional distance is a perpetual challenge because if they want to resolve things quickly or if there are court deadlines, like sometimes you have to make decisions within a certain amount of time. But if they're not ready and they haven't done the internal work to be able to kind of take an objective look at the situation and decide what's best for them instead of, you know, what feels good in the moment, Mm -hmm. um, then they get stuck, you know, and then they don't, they don't want to listen to you, you know, as even though you're counseling them, you're telling them what the law will likely yield as a result and how how best to work within that, they they don't want to hear it. Right. And and that that leads to, to friction. Yeah, and sometimes dra- drawn out court cases, right? Because if the two parties involved can't come to an agreement. I mean, of course, if the judge yeah. says you need to make it, you know, we're deciding this, this case is closing today, then of course you're, they're kind of forced into uh, making a decision, even though they might not feel like they're ready to well, make when, a decision. Yeah. And so if we're talking about say divorce and like property settlement, it's, it's never about the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, most people are have some means of income and and can get more stuff so it's it's not about the particular sofa set or car it's it's about what they feel they deserve like if you listen to the language that sometimes clients would use and talking or you know your friends or family they'll say well he did this to me i deserve this you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of an emotional assessment of what the court makes as a fairly cut and dry assessment of a marital estate. So that's where there's conflict. Right. You know, someone emotionally feeling, 
I deserve X because of what I've been through. But the court's saying, well, you're getting Y because mm -hmm. of what the law says. And as an attorney, like trying to help walk them through that process of accepting that, you know, can be a difficult one if, if they're not willing to work with you. I find this really enlightening because as somebody who's been through a divorce and it was pretty amicable, these are things I didn't even really think about, you know, so I can, you know, share you sharing this is making me think about, you know, sometimes you watch something on TV, you mm -hmm. know, it might be a, a show on TV that's about uh, law and you're watching it and you see these two people in court and they're like trying to battle it out. Right. But you're just looking at it from the, you know, he said, she said, and you're, and you don't really think about all the emotional turmoil that's going on in somebody, mm -hmm. you know? And so to that, to that, I'm thinking, wow, if we really could like have that bubble over somebody's head and kind of stop them before they kind of went ballistic, right? Crazy. You know, it would, it would make going through um, something like a divorce or a property issue so much easier because so many times you hear that it was like this really drawn out battle. Yeah. And that's so, that is so sad. Just like you said, it's so sad to see. And then sometimes if there's kids involved or, you know, and they're stuck in the middle, mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, look, so what I have told clients before, like they want to equate like say financial justice with emotional justice. And mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't always line up like that, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it takes that realization that your emotional justice is moving forward and living your best life. Right. Not, right. you know, watching your ex like cry in court or feel like they got less from the marital estate than you did. You know, that, that scenario might not happen for you. It's more important that you resolve it and just move forward. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's, that's a really hard road for, mm -hmm. for a lot of people. I mean, it sounds like you were very lucky in having an amicable divorce, um, which is great. You know, we, we want to encourage that in people because then you go on and you live happier lives, right? right. you know, and, and you, and you wish the other person well, and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything, you know, being kind, being a bigger person doesn't mm -hmm cost you the same emotional energy as fighting it out in court, you know, right. and to what end, right. You know, if you get a few thousand dollars more, was that really worth, you know, all the months of, of angry emails and texts going back and forth, you know, mm -hmm. that that's time from your life that you're not going to get back. Right. Yes. Because we all know, like, Time is so valuable. We can't, well, we can't even put a price tag on time, right? No, no, because n none of us knows like when our story is ending, you right. know, like that's, mm -hmm. that's the thing. And like I've said before, like every love story has an ending, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's in separation or death, you, you don't know. Right. And so I think it's, 
it's important to ha- be an active, you know, positive agent in your story. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's more empowering. And, and that's what, you know, we try to do within our firm as attorneys, not just help people get the best results, you know, economically and also on the custody front and with the other types of um, actions that we do for people, but, but also to help them feel better. Yeah. Because it, I mean, it's so much easier. I mean, divorce, fighting in court. I mean, it can be really heartbreaking. Um, It can be so super stressful, but when at the end of the day, you do want to come out there feeling better so that you can move forward and not just keep looking like back in that rearview mirror thinking, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I should have fought harder because it's just, again, taking up more of that valuable time. So I was, I, yeah, I was at a conference yesterday and one mm-hmm. of the speakers was talking about regret mm-hmm. and she told a, a heartbreaking story really about her dad who made a tough choice and you know, for the, for the betterment of his family, but then lived with regret for an opportunity not taken Mm -hmm. and how that regret, you know, had manifested itself in a physical way in that he was having panic attacks and, you know, for the rest of his life struggled with those panic attacks, you know, because he never adequately resolved, you know, that regret of, of not taking that road. And, and so that's, that was such a beautiful lesson and a sad lesson, you know, that this woman's dad, you know, had to live his life that way, but then she turned it into a positive and, you know, strives to live a life without regret. It's interesting how, you know, you, you said manifest. And so recently I read something about, you know, having the regrets and how that plays out. And just, you know how like you're talking to somebody, you're having a conversation with somebody like we are. And then like, there's that intersection of you just heard something before and now it's kind of like full circle because it came up again. Mm -hmm. So regret is hard. It's really really hard to live with. I mean, there's so many things people can regret in their life. Mm -hmm. Um. It just made me want to say like, yes, try to get those things resolved as best you can. So you're not carrying that around because it does affect like the rest of your well-being going forward. Yeah, there's this great book I read called mm-hmm. The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. And it's all about how trauma manifests itself in physical ways for people, you know, people that have suffered abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that don't receive, you know, the proper counseling and care afterwards, like they have a much higher rate of autoimmune diseases than the rest of the population. Right. Um, and so that's, that was fascinating to me reading that book and thinking about that, how you carry it with you and it, and it can shorten your life. I know, you know, so not only does it make your current life less happy, but you're shortening your future life, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's, that's upsetting. And so when, when you mentioned Candy, like that you had just read about this somewhere else, like sometimes I feel like 
like the world, you know, is trying to send you a message. And so it'll keep saying it to you until it connects. Until you get it, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I want to talk about, um, if it's okay, I want to ask you about the Vidoc Society a little bit. Vidoc. Okay. Um, This fascinates me because this is another organization that I think people don't think about, but necessary because it helps the families that are going through losing, you know, a loved one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they don't always get closure, but I think it helps them to move forward as well. So how did you end up becoming involved in this? And then what is your role? So um, as I said before, I'm a former prosecutor from Phil- you know, from the city of Philadelphia. I did that for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked most of my tenure in the office was under Lynn Abraham, who is a force of nature, not, not just in Philadelphia, but nationwide. You know, she was the longest serving female district attorney um, ever, 18, 18 years. And she really was a created this culture of, of seeking justice and, and putting victims, you know, forward and and that whole idea of giving victims their voice. You know, I I I learned to embody that and I felt so grateful to be able to live that every day as a prosecutor there. Um and I stayed in touch with her after she left office and she actually got me involved in VDOC society um, because it is a private organization and you have to be invited. You know, you have to know people to be invited in this because they're, they're trying to consolidate, you know, the knowledge base and make sure that everyone who's a member has, has a knowledge base that they can use to help solve these unsolved murders. Um, I am the editor of their, of our monthly newsletter. That's what I do, you know, in addition to participating in the meetings and we have a, a work group that follows up on cases afterwards. So once a month, law enforcement agencies will one per month, you know, so we spend like a span of a few hours each month in the union league, they present a case to us. And we offer suggestions, you know, on how they can follow up on the investigation, how they can close the loop. Mm -hmm. Because a a lot of smaller communities don't have trained experts in several different fields. They haven't been trained how to properly investigate a homicide. You know, a small town that gets one murder every 20 years, they they don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we we try and help them but because that is allowing families to feel a sense of peace and for investigators too you know homicide detectives they have an unsolved murder they will chase that you know even after retirement they'll come out of retirement to interview a witness or to come testify because they take those cases personally yes and we've seen those right on some of the some <laughs> yeah. of those tv shows where um a retired, you know, detective or police officer has has said, I'm just going to work on this one case. I'm just going to just dedicate my life to 
trying to solve this. Um, well, the, yeah, the human brain's always looking for certainty, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're always trying to solve those puzzles and, and figure things out. And like, if we don't know something, we tend to kind of like pick at it until we get it to a place where we can be satisfied with the answer. Right. So now you have your own podcast that's going to be coming out. Can you share with us about that? Sure. So I'm calling it After Happily um, with the idea that, you know, after if you've grown up on fairy tales as I have, you know, at the end, you know, the prince comes in and kisses the princess and she puts on a beautiful gown and then that's it. End of story. There's your happily, you know, but for the rest of us, you know, living in the day to day world, what happens? After that, you know, what, what do we do with that? And, and helping people realize that they're the author of their own stories, that life isn't something that happens to you, that, that you have more agency than a lot of people like to admit. Um, so the after happily is twofold, you know, how, how do you, cope with whatever might happen after that? Is it divorce? Is it, is it a custody battle? Is it, you know, death of a loved one, you know, or illness of a loved one dealing with wills and powers of attorney? Um, or is it, you know, the happily, how do you, if you're chasing, if you're pursuing that happily, you know, the journey for a lot of us is realizing that happiness is, a choice and not necessarily a destination. You know, so many times people say like, Oh, I'll be happy once I get that job or I'll be happy once I move to that house and, and think like they're going to arrive at happiness instead of recognizing it's a, it's a state you have to kind of create for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, as right before you said state, I was thinking that right in my head, I was like, <laughs> it's a state of being. And a ch- choosing, because you, you said choice, it's like choosing to wake up every day and say, I'm going to be happy today or whatever that yeah feeling is. Maybe it's joyful or, you know, s- something along those those lines. But I love this concept because people need guidance sometimes because it gets so stuck in like the day to day routine and Again, it's like the blinders. You're just, you know, going through your day and you're you're just trying to get to the next thing or get the next thing accomplished instead of really enjoying the journey. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think for all of us, like no one has all the answers. Right. That's why, like, the self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, because we're all just sort of like picking and choosing like bits that serve us from each suggestion that we hear in the world. Like I I like to think of it like, it's like a cook, you know, with, with your dish, your signature dish, you're always tweaking it. If you're a good cook, Mm -hmm. you know, you're never like, that's just my recipe and that's it. I'll do no more. Like that's how people stagnate. You know, they, they, they get stuck and they, and they think, oh, I don't need to improve. I don't need to learn anymore. I'm done. I'm finished with school. You know, the happiest people that you meet are the ones that are 
lifelong students, mm-hmm. you know, that are, that are curious about the world and that curiosity never stops. You know, Lynn Abraham, who I mentioned, you know, she is loving life, traveling, reading, still practicing as an attorney, you know, her, her love of knowledge and learning hasn't stopped. And that is keeping her going. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a statistic out there about how, which percentage, like there's a pretty good percentage of people in high pressure jobs that die within six months of retiring. Yes. I've heard something about that too. And um, a friend of mine too, her, her dad was a law attorney and um, worked, worked, worked. And she was like, you know, you really need to like relax and take a break. And like one day he just stopped, you know, he stopped that day and he never got to retire. Like he never got mm-hmm. to enjoy life because he literally just like died doing his job, which is so sad. Yeah. You know? I think you do have to stop and you you do have to stop and smell the roses sometimes, right? And yes, you want to, you know, maybe for those that love to travel, but definitely being a, a lifelong learner and reader and even if you watch documentaries or something that kind of keeps your brain going so that you don't become like that stagnant person and feel like there's like no joy. Well, like, okay, so for example, think about sponges, like what happens to a sponge if you don't mm-hmm. continue feeding it water, yeah. it dries up, so, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and then it's, it's no good, you know, to anyone and it just crumbles. Right. Um, right. And that like, I like to think of our minds that way, that mm-hmm. you have to keep feeding it or, or it'll just waste away. And it's funny that you said that because I recently, you know, in the last few months started following Dr. Daniel Amen. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but yeah. he's a neurologist and he's all about the brain and he does these scans on the brain and can tell you exactly like what's missing, what's happening. And um, I was watching him do an interview last night with Danica Patrick, the former race, race car, driver. car driver. Yeah, And I was fascinated by this information about how the brain works. And so you saying that and doing using the analogy of a sponge just made me think of like, if anybody's out there listening to this, <laughs> they should definitely check him out. He's amazing. There are so many things connected to our brains mm-hmm. that we never even think about. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But I, I look forward to listening to your podcast. Um, no, thanks. And um, all of the, you know, the information will be in our show notes. So our listeners be, will be able to find you. Um, and the best way to reach out to you is through the law firm website. Is that? Yes. And you can email me at Stacy at JJRlawfirm.com. Um, my email is S-T-A-C-Y at JJR. L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Great. And that will be that way in the show notes too. So on this podcast, 
You know, I asked the three P questions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the first one is, what is something you're passionate about that people might not know about you? I'm pretty much an open book. So I can't really say that I have any secrets like that, you know, I'm passionate about. Like, I love sharing my passions with people. But if you know me personally, you know that, you know, I'm a, I'm a big reader. Um, I love exercise. Um, there's my Peloton behind me. Um, <laughs> there's, um, and I'm a foodie. I love trying great new recipes and going out to great restaurants, the experience. Is there a passion people wouldn't know about? I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open about discussing other people's passions. One thing I'm not passionate about is like local sports. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> maybe not a lot of people know that. Like I, I don't, I, I'd rather spend my time doing things instead of watching other people do things. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it's funny that you said that because my husband says the same thing all (laughs) the time. (laughs) So my second question is, what is your definition of purpose? To To have a purpose in this life, to... Again, like we talked about before with happiness, not being like a goal, but being, you know, a a process, being a a state of being. I think your purpose is sort of the same and and then it shifts and morphs, like according to your life stages. I mean, my general overarching purpose has has always been to help people in in whatever capacity they need. so as I've matured, you know, I, I try to talk less and listen more. And the last one is, is there a possibility, a dream or a vision you have that hasn't come to fruition yet? I would I would like to speak in front of a larger audience and, and share ideas as maybe part of a roundtable discussion or a talk, um, because because I think the furthering of ideas and and the reduction in the divisiveness of this country overall is is just continuing those conversations, keeping the lines of communication open. Yeah, and just trying to understand each other. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's the possibility that I want to help work towards it as, as small as my individual role might be. Mm-hmm. Like I love considering that possibility that the world that my children will inherit will not be as divided as our co- country currently is. I love that thought, Stacy. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we, if we all thought, Oh, I alone, I'm not going to be able to make a difference, then nothing would ever get done. So we all have to do whatever that one thing is, uh, you know, that you're passionate about, you know, to to change the world. So I'm glad you said that. That's so important. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. And I know from speaking with you, 
a couple times that you and I could probably talk for hours <laughs> about all different things. And so one day we'll have to have you back on here and um, share some other stuff. Be happy to do it, Candy. Great, great. Thanks again, Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passionpurposeandpossibilities.co to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candice Snyder at Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>